If you've been to a movie theater recently, you've probably seen it, so let's talk spoilers. Today I'm talking about Spider-Man No Way Home, spoiler edition. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. As the intro indicated, this is the spoilerific version of No Way Home. Since so many people have seen it, I thought I would do two, kind of for people who are just kind of getting an idea. Pardon me. And then for people who have seen it and wanted to talk about stuff. So, yeah, that's the general setup for today's episode, and I hope you enjoy it. I genuinely debated how to handle reviewing this movie, because to some extent, a lot of this movie's biggest spoilers were already well known. People know that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are back with the old Spider-Man villains, so it's not like I'm going to ruin someone's movie experience by bringing that up. However, if I'm going to talk about how the incorporation of these characters and certain moments that worked like gangbusters for me, I'm going to need to get into the nitty gritty, and that is spoiler town that could shape someone's experience. Bearing that in mind, here's some thoughts on No Way Home that I couldn't share the first time around. Spoiler thought number one. This movie works in the same exact way Into the Spider-Verse works. So, I'm not gonna lie, I'm pretty certain the writers for this movie saw Into the Spider-Verse and went, Oh, that works really well. Let's do th- all of that with the added bonus of inside jokes and nostalgia for fans of the other movies, right? Okay, maybe not, but narratively, the addition of the other two Peter Parkers function in a very similar way. On the one end, this is a great setup for a series of in-jokes and who's on first style riffing as they try to prove who they are, share differences, and nerd out in equal measure. They're just less exaggerated than the series of animated spider folks in Spider-Verse because... animation. Their other function is to provide moral support and guidance to this Spider-Man as he struggles with extreme loss and moral crises for the first time. They can deflect his anger, reinforce the morals his Aunt May is trying to teach him, and let him know he's not alone. It's great. Spoiler thought number two is that we've got a great redo or metatextual commentary. The thing that makes this movie distinct from Spider-Verse is how it allows a bunch of redos of previous Spider-Man movies and essentially and establishes what makes this version of Peter Parker different and special. Broadly, this is the Spider-Man that will never stop trying to save people, even from themselves. Which is nice considering most of the Spider-Man villains are either men taken over by their own creations or created by science gone wrong versus a deep moral failing. For instance, their tech made them the worst version of themselves. It means Peter's mission to cure all of them feels like a wrong being righted. It also means that the other Peter Parkers get to save the men they are trying to reach or get things right this time around. Spoiler thought number three. I love Aunt May as the moral center. It's noteworthy that we haven't gotten the great power with great responsibility line in the Spider-Man movies, nor have we seen a true reference to Uncle Ben. So I was intrigued when Marissa Tomei's Aunt May was starting to provide clear moral guidance about what kind of hero Peter should be. This is the deepest her character has been throughout these films, and it makes her death, when Peter can't fix everything in time, hit harder than I ever expected it could. Spoiler number four. Very interesting in where things go from here. I've seen a lot of people comment how No Way Home establishes the standard Spider-Man paradigm. 
controversial public figure who's broke and doesn't have a ton of support, but he's still heroic. Why, yes, that's kind of true. It's also not. Because Peter isn't just giving up the most important people in his life to save the universe. He's giving up his entire life. He's got GED books when he goes into his new apartment. He has literally nothing and no one. And that's a whole different level of isolated, even compared to the other Spider-Man. That said, I like it. Because it means we've got a cleaner slate and that this Peter Parker will finally have to be an adult and a hero at the same time. Okay, so let's just get to the fun stuff where I'm just going to list off moments that I loved. Pretty straightforward. I'm going to pop off a bunch of moments that I really liked that wouldn't make sense to mention in a straightforward review. So everything about Otto Octavius in this movie is great. I like how Peter restores his humanity and how Otto immediately becomes an ally and tries to convince Norman that life is better without those voices in his head. He even gets to save the Spider-Man from those nasty spinning blades and Garfield Spider-Man from Electro. The visual callback to the apartment firefight from Sam Raimi's original Spider-Man made me profoundly happy, and that's when the nasty spinning blade things come out. The big building-destroying fight between Green Goblin and Spider-Man is such a great way to use the limited location to your advantage. Show how strong these guys are by going through walls and floors, and limit Spider-Man's best techniques. Someone re-watched the original Spider-Man finale. All of the conversations about web shooting are hilarious and fun, especially the questions about where Toby's version, his webbing, comes from. Andrew Garfield's performance in this movie reminds me why I was so bummed about the writing in his movies. I love his vibe here. They lean so hard into the melodrama when this awkward enthusiasm and jokey tone works so much better as his main focus. Jamie Foxx feels like he just played himself in a movie, and I'm not mad about it. Nor am I mad about his casual Miles Morales reference. All of the meta jokes in this are great. Not because you need to know what happened in those movies, but the joke is funnier if you do. Tobey Maguire initially coming in in street clothes like the old guard Spidey is perfect. He just seems so seasoned and calm. Also, Willem fucking Dafoe. That's it. So underrated in the first Spider-Man movie and finally getting his due as a great comic book villain. He doubles down on the creep factor in this movie in great ways and just has so many great cutting moments and lines. I also like the hint that Ned could be up for some magic lessons down the line. Let's get him heroic or something else. Zendaya's MJ remains herself in this movie, and that's fantastic. She's still sarcastic and cynical, but also a softy deep down. Again, the best writing for her character has had thus far. Everything about the final fight is action figure fight come to life, goodness, and pure comic book insanity in a good way. And finally, Spider-Man taking out Doctor Strange by using math and being stubborn is beautifully on brand. So that's everything that I liked from No Way Home and all of the spoiler, spoilerific glory. So let me know what your favorite moments are. And as always, thank you for listening and I'll catch you next time. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.